Hey, I'm Clayton. And I'm Sean. And we're men who like men who like movies. We're two queer men who love movies, and we love talking about movies. And after years of everyone telling us we should start a podcast, we started a podcast. This (laughs) week, we've got something really special. Uh, We got a chance to talk to director, writer, producer, and cinematographer Robbie Walsh about his new film, uh, the about the cervical check scandal in Ireland that you may or may not have heard about it, but you will know by the end of this episode. The letters. It is so nice to have you here, Robbie. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's lovely to talk to you. Yeah, um, the film was phenomenal. For myself, it was very hard to watch. I don't know about you, Sean. Uh, it, yeah, it was, but in a good way. Uh. I know I talked to you a a little bit offline about this, but I myself have had a journey with cancer. So it hit me especially hard. Um, If you want to give us a little bit of background on the movie and what it's about and what inspired you to make it. Yeah. So the letters is a feature film. And it's set against the backdrop of a thing called the or the cervical check, um, which is now a, the cervical check cancer scandal, which is uh, something that is ongoing in Ireland. Um, which, uh, just to really kind of loosely sum it up, um, there were a lot of women in Ireland who went and had their. Um, did cervical check and had smear tests uh, for, for cervical cancer. And they were told they were healthy when in fact they weren't. And they were allowed to kind of go on with their lives for years before they found out they were unhealthy. And many of them uh, became uh, so unwell that they passed away. And um, my film is kind of inspired by those events and um, loosely based on um, stuff that happened to kind of sum it up without getting myself into trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if that was a mouthful. No, that's fine. Uh, where um, <laughs> I would call it maybe not us, but you know, Americans need things explained to us, <laughs> especially about world events because we just don't always hear about them. Uh, I personally again personally it might have just been because of my own thing with cancer which i will get into it's not something i love talking about but for this i felt like i needed to be transparent and honest on this episode but it felt very uh angry like it just um there was this anger and frustration in it is that just a general feeling throughout Ireland or it just felt um, very angry to me and not in a bad way but just like it's this uh, event yeah yeah I mean the picture itself is an onion um, so there's, there's a, a lot of different layers to it and we do address a lot of a lot of issues um, within and within the picture. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the, we address um, a case of mild autism with one of the characters. We address 
Um, we are we have an American woman playing one of the leads who who kind of addresses the story of how children in Ireland were sent to America, and you know her, you know her mum has Alzheimer's and um, was in a Magdalen home. That within itself, God, I mean, if you research that, it'll make your head spin. Um, and then we addressed the, the, you know, the case of the single, the single mother with the four kids being under pressure, being from a low, low income area. Um, it is an angry film, um, and we really, I really tried to beat it over people's head um, that these things are happening, um, and you need to pay attention and kind of support each other in these kind of. In, in these situations otherwise you're going to be left out in the cold and before you know it it's going to end up on your doorstep and you turn around and say hey I need help here and you're going to you're going to be met with the cold that everyone else has been met with you know Mm -hmm. and yeah and those are the type of things a lot of people just don't want to look at or talk about or think about unless it directly affects them and yeah. I really loved how in your face it was about those things. And even um, there was a point later on in the film where it was showing on computers certain headlines. Yeah. And I even wondered if those were real headlines because I was like, yeah. man, that seems stripped like right out of the news. Um, they're, yeah, they're real headlines, yeah. The elderly abuse that went on here as well within the care homes, that was something we addressed and mm-hmm. that's the, bad here here too yeah so and that's that's what one of the stories was so i mean when you read the letters uh, you know it's about these these three women who have such a short period of time to live through no choice of their own and each one of them have this aside from their day-to-day hardships you have this extreme decision on the face with these extreme two of them anywhere extre- faced with these extreme choices what is like Mary or yeah, the character of Mary, what is she going to do about her mum who is declining in age and mental health? And then she reads these headlines that there's abuse going on in care homes and she's not going to be here after a short time. And we know how that, how she rectifies that story. And then we have the story then of, of uh, Mary Murray's character and um, Sam um who is sitting looking at her four children and going, what's going to happen with my four kids? Do they go into an orphanage? Do they go into care? What goes on in care homes? What goes on in orphanages? You know? Yeah. It was just uh, the one with the elderly mother and how that went into, I really appreciated how you handled that with such frankness and honesty and without judgment. Yeah. I thought that was really beautiful. Um, well, and I mean, there's no judgment for any of the characters. Um, I mean, they're all, like you said, they're all dealing with their hardships. They're dealing with their lot in life and they're heavy lots. They're heavy crosses. And I, I, there's no, like some movies, like you'll, you'll kind of get like, a whiff of judgment like they're just like oh you know this could have been done this way or something and this one it doesn't do that it's just their stories and i think that is like the restraint that you show in this film is incredible 
Well, this is it. We want, like, a, yeah, I mean, restraint, I don't know. Um, but we want to just present people as they are. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, everybody, everybody has to get up and go and do their daily routine and everybody has to do their nightly routine before they go to bed. And we present, I try to present these kind of just basic stories, but then they're thrown, they're thrown in ex- crazy extenuating, uh, crazy, sorry, uh, extenuating circumstances um, that just throws you completely out of whack. What would you, I mean, you faced, as you said, you faced this, on your own personal level, but what would most people do when they're faced with all these different? I don't even know. I mean, again, I just I'm quite, I'm, li- I'm even losing my train of thought here now. <laughs> Sorry, the question, but it's yeah. Even reflecting on it now, it's it's getting getting a little bit angry about it again. Yeah, I watched it last night and I just felt so angry and frustrated just about like the government, not even my government. (laughs) It's just like, this is so frustrating. This could have been avoided. I mean, their lives were hard enough as it is, you know, these uh, fictional women, but, you know, this real situation and I was just like, this all could have been avoided. And I was just thinking about myself and the five years that have i've been um cancer free for five years just about and i was thinking if when they discovered that i had cancer but i just didn't know about it and it just went five years i wouldn't even be here today it was spreading so fast yeah and uh, just the life between then and now and I was like yeah it was really hard but I mean one of the things with cancer the earlier you find it and start treating it the better chance you have and no, none of these women what was it at least 206 at the time you made the movie 221 21 yeah. uh, it's just and all the effect you know it's not just them it's the people that know them, the people that depend on them. Yeah. And yeah, it just made me really angry. I woke up frustrated. <laughs> that, that was what we were getting with the audience reactions when it, when we had it in theaters over here. Um, people would walk out um, more. I thought it was going to upset people. People come out angry and I thought they would be sad but they were angry and and white knuckling kind of anger where they would come to me because I had to play the minister the politician uh-huh. and I thought I was doing an extreme version of being this toxic horrible manipulating person then I found out it was from some of the people affected that it was a tame version of what they went through and I was like you've got to be kidding me and it was when we were walking out of the theaters, people would come up to me and say, my God, I want to punch you in the face. And I would say, please don't, you know. Right. <laughs> I didn't have an issue with that at all. I, I thought it might have been exaggerated to make a point. Yeah, that's what because, it tries to you know, uh, Yeah, but I didn't think it was like... Uh, 
making fun or even being disrespectful. It was more of this is how it kind of was for this to happen. Yeah. And, but I do think it was at that point in the movie that I started getting angry, but not at you for your portrayal of the minister. It was the the situation. I was just so upset. Yeah. That's a, a, yeah, that's a difficult scene. You know, something happened straight away after then, and and that's when people's knuckles turn white and they they get angry and angrier, you know? Um, Because there's a piece in the middle where we, we, feature a, a, an interview um, and it was um, yeah it's hard to listen to yes it was yeah. it was but I think it was very necessary uh, also listeners if you watch this movie which I would recommend it is quite good uh, it is it is a tough watch um, not for the faint of heart but it is quite good. Thank you very much. It, it really is. Um, one of the things I noticed is that you didn't, and you wrote, you were one of the writers of it, I believe, right? Or wrote the whole thing. Um, and it, you, there's very sparse dialogue and you've really told the story more with, with the visuals. Was that always your plan to do that? Was to show their suffering more than tell it? Because some movies will spell it out for you, and I, I, I'm not a big fan of those kind of movies. Well, yeah, not, I mean, sorry. Well, <laughs> what I have to do, what I have to do there, um, I have to kind of remove myself from what the subject matter is, and remember that I'm, I'm making a, a, a film, and uh, as a filmmaker, um. Like there's a lot of inspiration from some historical films within the letters, you know. Um, I did watch a lot. I do watch a lot of um, Godard and Fellini, um, and like Eight and a Half would have a massive influence on on and you know on how I make film and Breathless as well. Um, but when when I'm writing a film I have to think of the kind of films I like to watch that are going to be meaningful and, and have legs and last um, so I write that I write it so how do I write how do I, how do I explain this so when I'm writing a script it would be more of a it would be more of a, a blueprint and then I kind of say to the actors okay have at it um, so a lot of what you see on screen um is the actor is the fantastic, brilliant, talented actors that I had, um, just going to 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 depths that I never thought people could go to on on camera for me, and that was it. I can't really take any credit for how the how the scenes went because that was I just pointed the camera and framed it, and then the actors. They went and done everything. Um, yeah, I think that's the only way I can answer that. There's a, there's, there's a lot of improv there. Um, wow. Yeah, a whole lot of improv. 
I think I wondered that once during the movie. I don't even remember what point it was, but I was like, I wonder if this is a hundred percent scripted or if this is any improv. But either way, this is phenomenal. Any time we're making a this when we tour feature, and whenever we're making a film, or you will write a blueprint of a script. So it would be like, like guys, just go up and say hello, and then you want to ask each other, you want a cup of tea. That's just an example. And I'd say, okay, how would you just go about doing that? How would we do that? How do we get on camera? And I had a, these conversations at length um, with the actors um, in the letters. And on the day, what we got was just, I mean, I, I sound like I'm being a bit cold here by saying this, and I, I don't mean it like this, but what we got was, was gold. It was beautiful. It was brilliant. And then you have to sit back then at the end of it, I mean, and realize that what you're making kind of reflects real life. And it was, it was, it was dark. Um, it was dark times when we were finishing wrapping on days, you know, um, mm -hmm. but the actors would have to talk to you about that. I don't want to speak for how, how they got, how, how they got into a mindset or how they felt afterwards. Then be completely for them to speak about, I wouldn't speak on their behalf, you know? Right. Yeah, Even I was, it, I was it, like, that would have had to have been, I know it was a quick shoot from an interview I read with you that you did with, I can't even think of who it is now, but the, the shoot itself was pretty quick. But even just for, to get into that mindset, I was like, oh my goodness, that would have been yeah. rough. I mean, some actors, you know, they just snap into character and snap out, but I'm like, the, they had to go to some dark places like that's not that are realistic dark places um, yeah and Mary Murray who played the mother uh, the single mother she was everything on set because she had to handle four really lively kids in the majority of our scenes which were all kind of improvised because there's no point in trying to put restraint on four kids especially four kids that I've kind of just met each other for the first time on a film set because the, the, the gravity of what they're doing doesn't kind of exist with them yet. Mm. Um, so, you know, in between takes, they're, they're hyper and they're yapping and they're, they're running around. And, you know, Mary was kind of really being a mother in between takes, almost not breaking character, you know? Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was they, they, they were the very few moments of uh, levity within the film that we get when we see the kids, but that's, that's kind of, that's kind of it. And they don't last particularly long. Yeah. I think the one part I really laughed was with the two girls that were cleaning and, oh, yeah. and, the, and the mother was like, they're nuns, which is really sad. But the one girl looked at the other one. She's like, Oh, she's not a nun. I think yeah. that was the one part I laughed in the movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely not alone. Funny enough, the, the two girls who play the cleaners, Lindsay Doyer and uh, Rachel Walsh, um, we had Lindsay on from the get-go. I met Lindsay through her fiancé. He um, he was helping me out with one of my other films and, you know, we just had to say, you know, without, he said without being, you know, given any nepotism or doing any, being nepotistic, mm -hmm. he said, my other half does is an actor, and I said, "Oh, okay." And 
I was kind of rolling my eyes going, oh, here we go. And I said, oh, he says, yeah, she studies acting. Uh, would you have anything coming up? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I'm making this film. It's about this. Um, I said, but I, I have kind of have a cast. And I said, he said, look, would you just meet and have a chat with her? And then I met with Lindsay and she was this lovely, lovely person. And I said, you know, I have this small role of a, a cleaner, but it's opposite someone else. So she was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then the other person who was me- who was meant to be more of a more who was, would have had more lines within the scene, the other cleaner, uh, let us down like literally twenty four hours before filming. And I went onto my Facebook. I went, I need another actor now to play this role. And I just scrolled through the actors on my Facebook page and seen a girl called Walsh. My name is Walsh, and I just, hey, you're an actor. Do you want a part in my film? And she turned up the next day. And <laughs> that's how we got the two girls playing opposite each other, you know? Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So that was uh that's an interesting little tale there. But they were they were fantastic on set. When the two of them walk in the door was trying to um recreate the shot from Jurassic Park with the two velociraptors, you know, coming in, but like where the raptor is evil and and looking to kill these two are just looking to help and care and help out, you know. Anyway, I don't think I pulled that off. <laughs> uh, that would be more of a question for Sean. He is the Jurassic Park guru. I, I see the re- I, I I see the reference there. <laughs> I was gonna say they were they they're much nicer than a Velociraptor, though. Um, yes, much nicer. <laughs> two very talented uh, actors, yeah. No, honestly, everyone in the film was exceptionally good. You know, uh, sometimes you see lower budget films and they're like the acting's. You know, you can kind of tell they're acting. Um, not with this one, I couldn't feel that at all. Um, every single, all of the performances were like spot on, and um, I mean, especially the leads, which they were. Uh, all four of them were just fantastic. Um, I just so good. Yeah, you have to, you have to just let the actor work. Like, yeah. just let the actor work. Let them act. If you film them for five minutes, you're going to get thirty seconds of absolute beautiful gold, and then you're going to have a minute of everything around that gold. You know, and once you present that to the actor and let them do their thing. Like every not everything's going to be brilliant. Some things are going to be you're going to go, oh wow, that didn't work at all, you know. Um, but it's the job of the actor to act. Just let them do it, you know. Let them act, and you've got to be you've got to know who you're casting from the get go. I knew who I wanted in the roles from the minute I was putting this together. Now with Mary, who I got to play the single mum. Um, that was a kind of slap yourself in the head moment in the head moment for me because we had someone who pulled out of one of the roles, which meant it had to be recast. So we moved people around. And I remember speaking with my producer and I said, Who the hell am I gonna to get to play this single mother with four kids who lives in the city centre of Dublin and you know, has to do this. And he's like, well, do you know Mary Murray? He goes, uh, you know, I've taken acting classes with Mary. And Mary's a very, very well-known, 
well-respected, busy actor here in Ireland and she's in everything, you know. And I said, I don't think I could get her. I don't think we could A, afford her. I don't think she'd have time to do this. And he was like, oh, let me ask her. And next thing she texted me and I rang her and we had a conversation. And she was like, yeah, I'm on board. Just let me know when you need to shoot. And I was like, like, really? I said, you're going to be in their picture? She said, of course I'll be in your face. She's the most positive person you'll ever meet in your life. Like you answer the phone and it's like, hello, Robbie, how are you? I'm not having as good a day as you, obviously, but <laughs> tell you what we're doing with the film now, you know. Uh, yeah, no, you're think... going off track there. No, I it's perfect. I loved their performances because I think a lot of time for act when you see movies, the really realistic performances seem harder for actors to nail down than the bigger, grandiose, you know, Oscar bait performances you would say over here, um, where they're having, you know, big, grand monologues and stuff, but trying to act like you're uh, just a normal person would act seems very hard to capture on film realistically. Yeah. And everyone in your film just got it. They just got it. I think that's why it got to me so much is because it felt so real. Uh, yeah. The, the thing about the film is it's... It, I'd worked with Sarah Carroll on a couple of things before and she plays Kleena, uh, the single, single um, girl um, who works for the health department. She was fantastic. Um, she, yeah, I, I adore Sarah. She's brilliant. She's my favorite actor. Um, probably everywhere. Um, but I'd worked with Sarah. Kathleen, who played uh, Mary, was my was my acting coach many years ago, and she works with Anne on a daily basis, who plays her mum. And then, of course, with Mary Murray, who was a renowned actor in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you have four people like that within your film, just let them do their job, you know? And that was all I had to do, was just let them do their job. And considering the subject matter, they were 100% on board and gave it their all. Now, again, I don't want to speak about what their method or what they used mm-hmm. to get headspace or whatever what headspace they got into but just pick your actor you know pick someone you've seen in something or or someone that just has that beautiful brilliant look about them that can just sit in a room doing nothing and tell a story uh i would sarah carroll does everything by doing nothing you see her sitting on the bed at one stage in the film, trying to brush her hair, and she just lies down. And it's just this, it's just a magnificent little three, 10 second performance. I, you know, where else could you get something like that, you know, without. No. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Sean was mentioning to me before we got on with you about just the scene of her making the sandwich. Yeah, and... with, uh, just the, the force of the, the last one. Uh, the last one. Okay, yeah. And 
you know, she's just making a sandwich. It shouldn't have been a powerful scene, and it was. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. We had we had some we had a bunch of that. We had her trying to make a cup of tea, but I didn't want her pouring the tea because then it would have taken away from. Do you remember when? Um, and Russell plays Bridget plays the mum is holding the boiling kettle in the kitchen. Yes. Yes. And I was like, well, I can't leave. I can't do that twice, you know, because it, it takes away um, from her mom walking in, seeing her standing, holding the boiling kettle, not knowing what to do with it, you know? Um, so just something as simple as I'm making a sandwich. And I'm like, yeah, like the struggle of that. And it, it, that's, it, that's at a stage where her body is going on autopilot. You know, it's almost like it's starting. She's starting to shut down. She's starting to slowly kind of go away, and her she's trying to just her body's trying to do the things it remembers to do automatically. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I do. Which, yeah, leads to her in the bath. Then you know. Uh, I did kind of want to ask about the ending. What were you going for with that? Sean had a theory, but I wasn't as sure. <laughs> yeah, hit me with it. Well, I kind of, for me, when you, in the, well, spoilers ahead, in the final shot, you invoke the, the Last Supper. Um, and I took it as the women were martyred, essentially, for, uh, against what is coming it you know for the after all of this came out and i know there's still like i I know there's been a tribunal that was postponed until a couple years ago but there's still i I believe they're still talking about it not i don't think it's as loud as much as my i tried to do some research and i didn't see as much talked about as recently but you know, the, the tribunal was talking to many of the women who were affected and, like, getting, like, for an idea of, like, financial compensation and and all of their kind of experiences. And I felt like the women, the women who've come before, you know, like, uh, Vicky Phelan and, you know, Emma, um, I'm so sorry, Vic, uh, Vic Vahuna, uh, like these are women who are kind of they they almost feel like martyrs for a cause. Like they they and that's kind of where I felt with with the movie is these women are representation of like we have to do better. At least that was a little bit of what I read into it. Yeah, it's the the film is 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 a has is a bit of a Rorschach test goes on within the film. Um. A, you're going to identify with a different character who you identify with within yourself. Um, but yeah, at the end of the film then has so many different meanings to so many different people. There is an element of us speaking about women dying for the cause to get the bigger message out there. Um, but that doesn't just, that doesn't come from my film. That has come from the women themselves. Um but the ending, as far as the cinematic meaning behind it, um, there was a lot of um, a lot of famous art pieces um, or love that I want to recreate. 
it was within the film context, it was how these these characters within the film, it was how they seen themselves in the moments, the moments before they pass away. And it captured them rather than being um, kind of skeletal and unwell and unhealthy in that last moment as they pass, go over. Um, we see them in, in, in this beautiful, picturesque, uh, way that they would have seen themselves that they'll probably that they they'll never get to see themselves um again so you see Mary with her kids you see Anne and Kathleen sorry I'm, re- I'm referencing the, the the actors not the characters mm-hmm. here it's fine <laughs> you see so in the characters Mary and Bridget looking at each other like um the mum wanted to look at her when she was a baby but never got that chance to um, and then you have Sarah um, in the bathtub being, you know, essentially being the, the death of Venus, which is this beautiful porcelain, almost esque doll. Um, that's just this beautiful creature that we're saying goodbye to, um, that we allowed to kind of die. We did nothing about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Again, we have shots of characters looking straight down the barrel at the audience to say, "This, this, this. What are you doing about it? This is, you know, you're compliant in this." You know? Yeah, I was uh, so curious. I was like, "How would this have played in Ireland?" I'm like, I know how I felt watching it, and uh, again, that scene when they look down the barrel, like I felt so guilty, and I'm like, I don't even live there in the government. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the, the shot of the kids looking at you, I think um, it's one that kind of resonates more with people when they, they, they cuts the kids looking down. It's kind of you hear you hear people kind of catching their breath a little bit. Um, it's hard editing that. It was, it was difficult editing that, you know. Uh, yeah. So, what kind of reaction did this have over there other than? Um, as much as I'd love to say we 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 sold out, we queues around the block. Um, we 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 just got we got a few asses and seats, and people watched it. We got some good, we got great reviews, but uh, essentially we were we were kind of ignored, you know. Well, I mean, it is a very tough film, and. The last few years, especially, people seem to respond more to easy films. They don't want to go out and be reminded of life's hardships, uh, just specifically in the last few years. But so that could have had to do with it because yeah, it we defi- are, it definitely are wasn't bad. <laughs> no, our open weekend was was the first weekend cinemas were, were literally open without restrictions and um and social distancing i think there might have been a bit of social distancing still in place but it was the first time anywhere was open after the lockdown and and the, and the pandemic uh, which seems like a neon less than a year ago you know um but ours was one of the first and we were opening 
uh, that weekend, obviously, a couple of films. Uh, one was James Bond. Um, uh-huh. A week later, a week or two later, I think, was a little film called Spider-Man. Um, then we had Last Night in Soho, which is a masterpiece. Um, and then there was another called Antlers. We were, we were on Halloween. Small franchise called Halloween. Um, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. So, look, I mean, they done well. It went in and out uh, for a good few months. Um, and the media were, the media coverage over here and internationally has, has been very, very good to us. Um, they gave great reviews. I mean, I think I don't think we got any bad reviews. Um, and yeah, it seems to be growing. It's people seem to be switching on to it and watching it and um, paying attention now to the subject matter, which is the most important thing. And I mean, hopefully, it grows legs, keeps growing legs. You know. Yeah, I would. I would go so far to say, like, this is an important movie to watch. Um, but oh, opening against. Opening at that time, right at the beginning, right after the pandemic against James Bond, that is, that is unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> I I yeah. will have to say, not to distract from your movie, really, last night in Soho, masterpiece. Okay, yeah, I'll retract from the masterpiece. I thought visually it was beautiful, but yeah, when I said masterpiece, there kind of even. If you had me on camera, you'd have went, yeah, he didn't, he, he had ahead of himself there. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Anya Taylor, Joy, and Thomas and Mackenzie, and I love Edgar Wright, so. I love everyone involved. I thought it was very beautiful, but I, I don't know. I think I really enjoyed about two-thirds of it. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it, um, but yeah. Sorry, I know we're talking about your movie, but I just had to. <laughs> Although we hashtag him in there, in 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 some of the posts, man. I'll maybe we get some some coverage from it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Edgar Wright. Yeah, pay attention, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did have one, uh, another, one more question. Um, you shot the film in black and white, and then, but there's a few sequences um, that are kind of that are in color, like in like surreal, dreamlike states. Um, is there a reason you shot primarily black and white? And um, yeah, um, it, it was always me. It was always from the get go that the film was um, were going to be black and white. Um, because the opening and closing of the film wouldn't make sense then if, if it wasn't. Um, right. Another reason is that some again, like some of the some of the best films ever made, um, and some of my favorite films are black and white. Um, again, I was speaking about um, like uh, I know we mentioned Fellini and Godard, but like Eloy Kazan would be a massive director. I absolutely love. Um, and then I really wanted the film to kind of feel like um, almost like an existential horror. Like, you know, one of those old kind of old black and white 
almost horror-esque at times. It's almost at times I wanted to feel like it's this nightmare you're walking in that you can't wake up from. Yeah, really get with black and white, you know, and I think it really kind of drives home. Yeah, like I mean, the the you know, it's how people almost seen the subject matter, you know, almost seen how ah, they're not well. Ah, sure, just tell them they're okay. This black and white kind of attitude, you know. And um, yeah, there's there's just a, there's a few of the many reasons why I wanted it in black and white, you know. Right. Um, and as well, like the very end, you know, you get your Wizard of Oz moment, really, you know. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. really effective. I wish more movies were in black and white. I love them. They just have a look that other things can't do. Well, it seems to be happening a lot more. Belfast was was, was really good, and I, I mean, from what I've seen of the Marilyn and Monroe uh, film online, was 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 really was really working, you know. Yeah, Macbeth uh, was was fantastic. Oh, Macbeth was gorgeous, gorgeous good. filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, goodness, like you know, you make a picture and then you go and watch something like that. You're like, what's the? You just throw your hands in the air. And go, come on, chance, will you? Yeah, but yeah, that's that's why the black and white. There's there's many reasons for it. Um, and then when we were editing, it became God. It became such. It actually became such a lifesaver in a way it's a horrible term to you sorry it became um a relief because we didn't have to worry about getting such high-end color grade then for the whole lot of the film because color grade in the end of the film was it took it took a real long time and i'm saying man it's a good job we did do we did shoot in black and white because that's it's something that we don't have to deal with you know right yeah yeah You'd think more people would do it if it was easier. It's so pretty. It is. It's lovely, isn't it? But like, I love watching black and white film. And Casablanca would be the go-to, or Street Time as well would be the go-to black and white movie for me. Oh, Psycho! Psycho is my number one. I just watched that at the end. Of, that was the very end of my Halloween movies as I finished up with Psycho because. Yeah, Psycho, I think, is a beautiful film as well. Difficult film to watch. Oh, it was so funny. Uh, one of my friends I was watching it with, she had never seen it before. Right. And uh, somehow did not know about the twists and stuff in it. And was shocked at everything. And I was like, that is so wonderful that this 62-year-old movie... Works. I mean, she's. You know how some people just don't like old films, and I. I don't understand them, but uh, she is one of those type of people, and uh, it completely worked. It completely worked for her, and I was just like, "Yep, masterpiece." How lucky is she to see that for the first time with with first time was? Yeah. Uh, I mean, imagine watching that for the first time and going, "What's this about?" And then by the end of it, going, "Oh my god!" And then you're like. This is why we have twists in movies now, you know. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to imagine what it must have been like in the six uh, 1960 for an audience to go in and see that. Uh, yeah. 
I did see it in a theater once. It was a double feature of that and the birds, and that was an amazing experience, but it wasn't the first time I had seen Psycho. It was the first well, time I had seen the birds, but not Psycho. Really? That was the first, you got to see the birds for the first time in a movie theater. Yes, it was it was so cool. That's amazing. I remember I distinctly remember the one the first time I seen the birds. I was a kid uh, in Dublin. My parents had gone out for the night and the babysitter let us watch a movie and me and my sister, we must have been about seven or eight and we watched the boards and I was terrified. Terrified. Um, I was probably almost 20 and I thought it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, we, we had the baby, because the babysitter, like, you know, in the 80s, the babysitter would have been like, ah, that movie looks, you know, looks like the 60s. It doesn't make any sense. They're not going to be scared of that. Well, the end of it, we couldn't look out with a pigeon then, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do not like birds. They scare me. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it very young as well. Uh, I was probably like six or seven, and my grandmother used to have a cockatiel, and I just, I did not want to go to her house anymore. Especially one time it flew at my head, and I was like, no, 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 no. Don't take me back to grandma's house. We actually reference Psycho in the letters. Um we, we have one shot that I had to take out um, because it, it didn't make sense in the final sequence when Sarah is going into the bath. We had the hair, our hair trailing behind her into the water. Um, and then when the other scene where she's in the bathroom or above her, we reference Psycho and Perfect Blue and Aronofsky's film. Um, the... Um, oh God, the Jared Leto and Jennifer Connelly. Requiem picture. for a Dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we reference Requiem for a Dream okay. and a Perfect Blue, but where they were landscaped almost, we went for the above the head psycho shot. That's when we're looking down on Sarah. Mm. Um, her knees tucked to our chest, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that was kind of the, they were the two moments. I was like, look, we have to. And I, of course, the vertigo shot at the end as well, when we have the God's eye view of her walking across. The... I will say, I did think of Requiem for a Dream while I was watching it, but it was before that scene happened. I was just trying to think of movies that were, that are just t- really good, but tough watches. And I was like, yeah, this is probably pretty close to Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> yeah, Requiem for a Dream. I mean, we, if, if Taker wouldn't be as good as Requiem for a Dream, like, thank you very much for that compliment. Um, but, I mean, Requiem for a Dream is, God, I mean, there's, there's a masterpiece, you know? It is a masterpiece. I just cannot watch it very often. Yeah, who can? Yeah, I need I need a solid like three days afterwards to just lay in bed and stare at the wall. Um, yeah, that's the Disney Pixar days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you catch Disney and Pixar that you haven't watched after you've watched like Me for a Dream. I think I gotta watch Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not wrong. So, Sean, do you have? Some more questions for him before we wrap this up. No, I I think most of mine were answered, and I this was a fantastic talk. 
Yeah, and I did really love the movie as hard as it was for me to watch. And I would say, if you can handle tough watches, watch this movie. Uh, it is worth watching. It's something that really happened. It might make you angry. And also, make sure you get regular checkups because a lot of really bad shit, if you can catch it early, can be taken care of. And always get a second opinion. Um, you know, the first person I've sat in an interview with in the last year that had said anything like that, that's very noble of you. That's, and so it's something I want to start saying from now on, isn't it? Uh, what do you mean? Said anything like what? I'm. I said um, get check up, get checkups, get second opinions, and look after yourself. Uh, again, I have had cancer not once, but twice before the age of thirty. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'll overshare. I uh, had testicular cancer and got diagnosed and had surgery and was fine for about eight months and was going in for a regular checkup and it had come back and spread into my lungs and then I had to go through three months of grueling chemotherapy would not recommend is not fun and then as soon as my body healed up from that it got rid of one of the types of cancer but not the other. And then I had to have, so I basically went through chemo for three months. My body rested for a month and then I had one lung surgery and then that one was starting to heal up. I had to have a second lung surgery on my other lung. And it has been about five years since then. And once it's been five years, it's pretty much, uh, I'm good. I already, the numbers are astronomically small that anything would ever, um, come back, but I still get very, very, very paranoid about it. Anytime it's time for a checkup, I about have a panic attack until I get my results back. And, um, yes, I am very much people should get checked out. If you think something's wrong, go to the doctor. Um, our American healthcare system is very expensive, but I'd rather have a bill than go through cancer because that is no fun. No fun. Man, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry to hear about that. I, I mean, I'm fine. I learned a lot of things about myself and it, um, it is not an experience I would like to repeat, but I did learn who was really there for me in my life and what I can actually go through and survive. It did make me a stronger person. I think there are a lot better ways that you can find out you're a, st a strong person than having to go through that. But um, yeah, it's one of those things I try not to ever think about. So your film was very confronting for me as I had to um, kind of come to terms with it because I pretty much just that section of my life. I just don't think about it. I pretend it didn't happen, um, but it did. And uh, people should, if I had gotten checked out earlier, who knows if it would have come back the second time, 
but I had a long time where I was worried that something was wrong and I just, I didn't want to know about it. I didn't want it to be real. And so I didn't go to the doctor. And I always think like, you know, if I had gone and been more pushy about like, hey, can we get this checked out? Um, how different it all could have turned out. It might have all turned out the same, but I still always wonder that. Um, let's see. So uh, before we wrap up and go over all of our socials and everything, are you working on anything new? I'm developing two pictures at the moment. I'm not too sure which will go first. Mm-hmm. Um, one is a is a World War two type movie uh, but it's not set within um combat it's about a man coming home from a war and the second is a picture i want to do set within um the drag fashion um community um kind of about an older gentleman who was sort of the breakthrough and frontline during the, the 60s and 70s in Ireland when it was outlawed and you know, how he was a, he's become an older man now when he deals with the who he wants to be in life uh, does he really want to keep going and compete in these competitions and deal with relevant social issues of today uh, or do you want to just be who he is? So I'm developing that. I'm working on that. So as you those, know, both sound fascinating. <laughs> I would 100% watch either of those. They will have a similar look to the letters and my other, my other two films, and would probably be a different tone. You know? Yeah, I mean. I think it's more interesting when somebody doesn't make the exact same types of films all the time. And as a filmmaker, it's better to stretch those creative muscles. But both of those uh, storylines sound uh, very interesting. I hope you're able to get them made. Um, Where can people find this movie if they are wanting to check it out, which you should. Yeah. If you've got a strong um, disposition. If anyone would like to watch the film, it's available on streaming platforms in on in America. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Tubi. Uh, it's on Flix Fling, Memento. Um, I think where else? Filmocracy. We recently got. We're recently going up on Comcast Sling and Dish soon, and I think yeah. Oh, Dithari on TV. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of others. Um, Plex TV, you know. I don't know if anyone. Yeah. So we're on a lot of good streaming uh, services. Um, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, where can people find you on social media if they would so like to do that? Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Robbie Walsh. Uh, this is going to be so lazy. Uh, or B W L S H. I wish I had thought to do that when making our socials. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, yeah, Facebook, Bobby Walsh, um, and Instagram at R B W L S H. Awesome. So it's just lazy about it. Hey, a nice, short, and sweet social media handle is wonderful, as you will hear in a moment. <laughs> um, if you would like to find us on our socials, we are together on Twitter at triple M pod, triple three M's pod. I am at just happy to see you. Number two, letter C, letter U. Sean is at Smurf 013, S-M-U-R-P-H 013. We are on Letterboxd. I am at just happy to see you. Number two, letter C, letter U. Sean is at Murph the Smurf. M-U-R-P-H-T-H-E-S-M-U-R-P-H. We are on Instagram at triple M pod, triple three M's pod. We have a Facebook page, men who like men who like movies. If you would like to email us, our email is men who like men who like movies pod at gmail.com. If you are so inclined, please give us a five star rate, maybe even a review if you have time. It helps a ton. And seriously, go watch his movie, The Letters. It's very good. Um, really good. It is, it's a tough watch, but it's very good. And thank you again so much for coming on, Robbie. Robert, I don't know which uh, you prefer to go by. <laughs> well, one Robert. Everyone else calls me Rob, Robbie, you know. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, I know a lot of indie filmmakers need this. So thank you very much for everything you do, boys. I really appreciate that. It's, it's very noble to have me on. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Anytime. I'm glad to do it. It was, I, it was a good experience. Uh, yes. It was great getting to talk to you about it today. But and getting anyway, to watch it. Yes, I'm glad you... Like- it's not something I probably would have found. Like I was so glad you reached out about it because I'm, I'm genuinely glad I saw got to see it and yeah. So yeah, yeah. I tend to I tend to <laughs> kind of reach out and say to people like or grab people on on Twitter or something. I'll be like, hey, you want to watch the film and give us a look. <laughs> Yeah, Sean was on vacation this week and everything, and I was like, even if he doesn't want to, I'm like, I've had cancer. This sounds important. I'll do it. (laughs) And he was like, I'll do it. I'm on vacation. Um, So, yeah, it worked out really well. I'm glad we got to talk to you about it today and got to see the film. Um, But, yeah, until our episode next week on You've Got Mail, I guess we will tell you goodbye. And see you next week. Bye, guys. Night. Thanks again, Robbie. Have a good night. Have a have a great one. I'll talk to you soon.